Hey folks, Brian here. Just wanted to let you know, we recorded this week's show about 10 minutes after we found out that the United States had started to bomb Syria. So if any of us seem particularly uh, ornery or uh, pissed off, that's why. You know, we don't like war. Anyway, enjoy the show. Folks, welcome to the DCG cast. I the am last Brian. one we ever do. Uh, maybe. We'll see. Uh, with me as always are Vince and Zach. Uh, we just invented a terrible game. We're going to play it on the air. So we were talking about how many good comics there were this week. and um, You mean how little, how few good comics there were this week? Well, the, well I, I'm not saying how many as in there was, there was a bounty of them, but you know, how, how many of the ten or so comics were good this week. Now, Vince says four and a half. Zach's like, Zach's like is, shitty prices, right? Yes, exactly. I say four, but my four is really five because two comics are half good. So there's three good comics and two half good comics, and then Zach's is four and a half. Three, sorry, three and a half. So we have I three, said four. So we, yeah, so Vince said four and a half. I said four. Zach said three and a half. Um, I think. All right. So let's let, let's do some game theory here. Um, oh, <laughs> I just said that to send Vince into a tailspin. Um, <laughs> I can presu- I can presume. Okay, let's do this. Each of us will guess what the good books are. Okay, so I'm gonna safely say that Superman was one of the good books for all three of us. That's a that's a good book. That's a good book. That book is good. All right, Zach. What's another good book? Nightwing is a good book. That is a good book. Wow, you're really putting me putting me on the spot here. Um, no, we're well, not. Think about it. Well, Deathstroke is a good book. Deathstroke is a good book. Deathstroke's half a good book. What? Since you didn't do it for me. Ooh. Okay. See. Okay. So we figured. So then. So then. Let's figure out Zach's other one good book. Uh, it, it, Sh- Shade the Changing Girl. Yeah, that's the other good one. Okay, I wasn't counting that. I, for some, oh, really? Okay. I, I was thinking of that. Brian, I, 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 I think I said of Rebirth. Yeah, well, we talk about it. I know. We don't talk about Hanna Barbera every week. That's true. Oh, that means that you all thought things that. That means you thought something else was good that I didn't think was good. If you didn't count Shade. Well, well, Deathstroke for me, Deathstroke was a full good book, and that's four. So you got to guess my half a good book, and you have to guess my two half good books. Well, I think one of your half books is my half book, Batman. We have fun. We have, we have fun here. You can't, you can't see me, but I'm wiping tears away from my eyes. Uh, um, no, Brian. Brian, one of your half good books was Aquaman. Yes. Yeah. So, what was my half good book? Your half good book was Green Arrow. Yeah, that's right. And we have effectively discussed all the good books. Good night. <laughs> good night, when everybody. Did, when did I become the the most like? critically cynical you were always the mercenary no i wasn't i used to be the guy who liked everything ah but but uh, since we started this weekly show i think you're the mercenary. <laughs> i've said it in previous episodes yeah long time listeners will know that i've called <laughs> you the mercenary before 
<laughs> he was the first. Something only future end kids will know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh God. Um. Well, shall we do this alphabetically, alphabetical wise, even? <laughs> uh. Well, I, I guess page left. <laughs> Before we do that, let's actually quickly touch on the announcement from this past weekend of uh, Dark Knight's the Metal. War that we're in now? No, that that was the announcement from tonight. Uh, no, last the uh, Dark Knight's Metal, the Greg Capullo, Scott Snyder series that is happening over the, uh, the late summer around DC Comics. And uh, main characters are the Justice League. It's not just a Batman story. It's a six-issue series, weekly six issues, that will um, that will uh, have Snyder and Capullo with no fill-in artists. There will be tie-ins, but they're not essential to the story. Uh, some of the books that have been mentioned as being antecedents to this are Greg Rucka's Wonder Woman and Jeff Johns' Hawkman, which I just started reading last week. Yeah, I saw that tweet. I need to get on that. I need to read that. I've I've never read it. I've always wanted to. Same here. So uh, it's good. It's good I feel stuff. like I should read Justice Society along with it, though. Uh, so far there's not much crossover. Really? Okay. I mean, there's definitely you can tell it's happening in the same you know shared universe, or whatever. There's there's a couple of things that crossover, but overall it doesn't feel like it's essential to be reading Justice Society. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, are you guys excited about this? Event? I I actually am um, cautiously excited. It sounds like not really. I don't know. I was afraid it would be like a very Batman centric thing, and obviously, like Batman's still front and center. But it sounds like the kind of like big, crazy universe spanning thing that DC hasn't done in a long time. So I'm excited for it. I'm I'm very excited, despite it having like be, being based around the like dumbest pseudoscience uh, plot yet to come out of the Snyder <laughs> Snyder wing of the DCU. And and you know, not, I think he's a great writer, but like we've talked about how we feel about how heavily he leans on this like fake pseudoscience thing. And um, I mean, he's good at that. He's good at, yes, but yeah, absolutely, but, but, and this is this sounds but, like the most ridiculous thing yet. But I'm not saying that as criticism uh, necessarily. You know, I don't know why I put the weird inflection on because you're still you're still half doing um, <laughs> fucking Snagglepuss. Uh, Snagglepuss, yeah, criticism Crit- even criticism even. <laughs> good God, shoot me in the head! I thought we were supposed to drop bombs on your head. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it, I think it has potential to be really interesting. I think that you know all of us. I, I think we're working under the assumption that it was going to be at least in part the Bat version of Superman Reborn, uh, in terms of maybe connecting some of those pre-Flashpoint dots together. But I don't think that's going to be the case anymore, and I'm kind of glad that it's not going to be the case. Because I I think that Superman Reborn did that story really well and it was fun to see it, but I don't I'm not looking forward to like two years of all these other characters having their versions of Superman Reborn. If that makes sense, uh, 
And I think the connecting things that seem disparate, like the Rucka Wonder Woman and the Johns Hawkman and Snyder's own work in the back corner in the back corner of the DC universe. And he he says that they've been building up to this their entire run. Uh, I don't know how true that is, or if that's just you know some convenient press retconning. But I think it has potential to be something really different and press conning, if you will. Press conning. There we go. And uh, you know we'll we'll see. I, I I am certainly there is still the the cynic in me, especially about lots of tie-ins and. Milky. Oh man, bring on the tie-ins! I want all the tie-ins. Uh, you you do realize that the the three of us together probably have more like useless tie-ins from the <laughs> from the two thousands and twenty tens. I know. Then we'll ever them. know what to do with. I love the tie-ins. Uh, Not for like I hate tie-ins in like you know when Death of the Family would do tie-ins or like things like that. I hate that stuff. But like big events, just give me all the tie-ins. <laughs> Do you have all of Brightest Day? Because I do. Uh, well, okay. So, what do you mean by like all of Brightest Day? Like, I mean every every book that had a Brightest, that had a Brightest Day, Day banner. banner. Yeah. No, no. Oh, I, I do. I had all of Blackest Night though, and all of Flashpoint. So there's that. I have all of that. I didn't do Brightest Day. You're better than me. Oh no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> You're really uh you go back and read those green arrow issues every once in a while, don't you? I do, when he was living in the woods. <laughs> oh, they had some good art. Did they? Nev I think Nevis was the artist. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um anyway. Let's uh, <laughs> get nostalgic. Yeah. We're gonna get a solicit for um the at least the second one shot in a few weeks. If not, I, I think the, the event is probably going to start at the end of July, maybe the last week of July. Kind of like they're doing with the with the button now, where they're they're not doing it; they're kind of staggering it throughout two months. Since it's going to be six weeks weekly, I could see it starting perhaps you know the le- the last couple of weeks of uh, July. If that's the case, we're going to see solicits in a week or two for that. So maybe we'll come back to this conversation once we know a little bit more about the event. And uh, and we'll see, but I, I think I think DC has been smart to hold off an event of this size until now. So uh, yeah, don't let my yawning be confused with boredom. I'm just tired. Uh, all right, well let's let's dive into this week's books. Then we got Aquaman number twenty, written by Dan Abnett, illustrated by uh, Philippe Briones. And uh, we have established that uh, two-thirds of the podcast does not think this is a good book, but I thought this was half a good book this week. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll happily rebut what you guys say, so go go for it. Why was this not a good book this week? Zach, why don't you go ahead? Pretty much the same reasons it wasn't a good book two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, I guess I should say. It's just, uh, I don't know, I think this arc is... A little uninspired, and I guess maybe it got a little interesting towards the end. Like, the last three or four pages maybe kind of interested me, but, um, yeah, I just don't really care about what's going on here. 
May I offer a theory as to why that is? Yeah. I think that some of the some of the reasons that we've enjoyed this book so much is that it's been pretty um it's it, it hasn't relied much on anything pre-rebirth. And this appears to rely relatively heavily on Abnett's work with Aquaman from the New 52. And it just maybe feels, uh, I don't know, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. You know, it's just, it, it doesn't feel as as fresh or as uh, accessible maybe as other work has felt. Yeah, no, I agree with that. For sure. Vince, what about you? So for me, I mean, <clears throat> I the, obviously on the internet we like to treat things as either good or bad, you know, or <laughs> right. like worthy of praise or like worthy of being bashed. And this is not, as you would say, Brian, a garbage comic. <laughs> it's not. Um, I like Aquaman quite a bit. Um, I think it was in my top ten last week when we did that. Um, but this particular arc i'm i'm conflicted on and ultimately i'm just having to admit that it's not doing anything for me like i'm i'm opening these issues and i'm i'm looking forward to reading an aquaman book because i i think dan abnett's aquaman is good and yet none of these deadwater issues have been interesting to me so ultimately it's just how i feel reading the book but I'll give it credit for doing something that Aquaman books don't do very often. They, they Aquaman books tend to be pretty dry overall. Pardon the pun. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, God, you just short circuited me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, but but they they tend to be pretty dry when they're written poorly. Dan Abnitz can't be accused of that, but. Still, it's very much, you know, politics in Atlantis versus the U.S., water-based villains, um, probably going to get Black Manta in there, you know, at some point, which we've already seen. So, I mean, it follows the it, – it, even though it's been a very good book, it's followed the Aquaman formula, you know, pretty standardly to this point. I'll give this arc credit for doing something else that Aquaman never does, which is to go kind of outside of its genre. I think we mentioned last week or maybe the week before, or the time before um, with Aquaman that it's doing like a it's doing like a Predator story right now, like the movie yeah. Predator. It's doing this like um, contained area uh, stuck with a with a uh, relentless monster sort of uh pastiche here and that's it's it's playing with genre is something aquaman never does you know so i'll give it credit for that but it's not i'm not invested in this this the way that i was you know the 17 issues that came before or whatever um and i think it's because like you said it relies too heavily on the previ previous aquaman stories that I wasn't really into and didn't really read, but also this is the first arc to me that gets def like definitively far away from what Dan Abnett had been doing. You know, those first 
17 issues, I couldn't divide up into arcs. It felt like one big long story to me. This feels like something separate, and I just can't get as invested in it for some reason. Sorry, that was really long. No, I I think that's fair. Uh, I'll also say that, uh, and this is going to sound like a very small criticism, but I, I truly do mean this. I think if the names, if it wasn't like Dead Water and was Strange Water, I would enjoy it more. H two Yeah, it's just it's a lot of really weird slash dumb uh, hydroponic names. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that bothers me so much, but but I certainly understand your point. Like it, it is very eye rolly. I'm the kind of guy that like likes when Lots comics- at a funeral. Yeah. Don't understand what I mean? Well, you soon will. (laughs) Oh, fuck me. That was good, Zach. Oh, man. MVP, what can I say? Yeah. Let's move on. Good God. All right. That brings us to Batman number 20, written by Tom King, illustrated by David Finch. Uh, so a, a big part of this issue was Bane saying "I am Bane" over and over again. <laughs> you mean this arc? Well, yeah, but specifically this issue, right? You and, mean these last two arcs? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's weird. I, I wouldn't think that Tom King would be ripping off Guardians of the Galaxy in his Batman run, but Bane is just the new Groot. I realized that this week. <laughs> Everybody thought he was cute when he was a baby. He just says the same thing over and over again. He's only interesting when he's paired with somebody who won't shut the fuck up, like half of the Secret Six. So so if Bane is Groot, does that make Bruce Buster Bluth? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He was on the cover of uh, Gotham Bay Window. (laughs) God. I'm just thankful that I am friends with two guys who can get that reference. Yeah. Uh, This is, uh, Vince mentioned my catchphrase earlier, this is absolutely a garbage comic. I I say this every time we talk about Batman. This was my least favorite Tom King issue yet. (laughs) And I, you know, I say that every time. I don't care if it's true or not. But while I'm reading it... This is like office space. Every day is the worst day of your life. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's true or not, while I'm reading the comic, that's how I feel. Afterwards, upon reflection, maybe you could convince me that it wasn't. But while I'm reading it, I'm thinking, this is just... What is... This is just awful. How is... I'm sorry. Tom King, I love you. I'm staring into the camera right now at you. (laughs) I love you, man. I I don't. What is this? I I don't get this. This it, issue it's like a was a clip show. Y- yes, it was a recap of the entire two Bane arcs. By the way, we've had two different arcs that center around Bane. Yeah, but this know. also recaps the first arc of the book, which wasn't I, about Bane. Yes, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It recaps the entire series so far. It's trying to tie that first arc back in in a way that I completely do not buy. Like, like, I get that from a plot standpoint, interacting with Bane is how he's getting um, the Psycho Pirate back to um, 
help with his situation with Gotham Girl. I get that. I get how it all ties together into one big fucking pretzel knot. I, I understand that. However, from a thematic standpoint, I do not buy anything that Tom King is presenting us about Bruce Wayne or the way he feels or the way he thinks or what he thinks of his mother. Vince, his mother told them he didn't need to have a good death for her to be proud of him. That ties it all together. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, again, this issue felt like it was doubling down on this idea that this Batman has no relation to the Justice League. Because, like, like I don't buy that all of a sudden he has these two super-powered people in Gotham, and that is the answer to all of his prayers. <laughs> right. You know, when he, knows, when he knows several dozen people that have the similar powers to these, you know? It's like he would never think to ask Superman to move. Yeah. Well, and I, I understand that everybody has their own place, and this is apparently when issue 21 happens or whatever is it 21 or 22 brian tell me i, I thought don't. it was 23 good God. no it's 22 so it's okay. after the button it's the conclusion okay. of the button okay so i know it's about like whether or not gotham needs a batman or not i i get that that's the thing but but that's a contrivance like these last 20 issues have been a contrivance to get to that point it's not arriving there naturally at least to my in my opinion and isn't that like every fucking superhero book ever has done that same story? Yes. Yeah. Does the world need Superman? Does New York need Spider-Man? Like every – it's the laziest way out at this point. Sure. But if it was well done, I could forgive it because that's just, you know, that's the the nature of the beast when you're writing stories about the same character for 80 years, you know? Sure. I I get it. But like – I do not buy that all of a sudden this is the situation where Bruce thinks he's going to die. And these are the people that all of a sudden Bruce thinks could save him and Gotham. And like none of it hits home to me. And I understand that the Justice League can't just be in Gotham City all the time. And that's the point. But the point is, is that he's acting like for the first time ever, like he's in over his head after 80 years, you know? (laughs) When he's not, and he's – that's just not – I don't buy it. I don't buy it, and it's overwritten, and, and now he – Tom King used this whole issue to literally ham-fistedly punch us in the face with it over and over again. You know? I, I just don't uh, – <laughs> I don't have to say any more about this, guys. <laughs> now, I will, I'm going to ask a tough question here. I'm not asking... Well, let me ask the question first, and then I'm going to throw some caveats at you. Is this the worst Rebirth book? Now, no. I don't. I don't mean the most boring. You mean from a Rebirth standpoint? No, no, no. I just mean overall. Again, I don't mean the most boring. I don't mean the most disappointing. I mean in terms of enjoyment, like, it's like an equation, right? Like, energy put in and enjoyment taken out of it. Is this the least successful book DC's publishing for us? I I don't think so. I'm I'm, pretty close to saying it is. I I really, it can't be, it can't be undersold how much I really hate Blue Beetle. Um, What does Blue Beetle do worse than this book? 
it's it's just um the dialogue in Blue Beetle is more annoying than this dialogue. Oh, I can't believe that. Uh, yes, I, I, I'll I'll go to the mat for that. Absolutely. Oh, we should do yeah, a think, series of dramatic readings. I think No, no. <laughs> like okay, so like as as like bad as this book is, it still has like a degree of production value to it, if that makes sense. Like you know, I don't really care for David Finch's art at all, but like the colors look good. It, it has like costumes a, are great. Ten out of costumes ten. Costumes are great. Ten out of ten. Um, it it has like a prestigious feel to it, I guess, as well. So like, it, it's kind of like I mean, I guess it really is like the Batman versus Superman. But of doesn't that make it worse? The prestigious feel. Okay, but it's like no, because it's no, like, because it's like do you want to watch Batman versus Superman or do you want to watch Green Lantern? Yeah. To quote the great Jimmy Pardo, I wouldn't watch either if they were playing it in my glasses. <laughs> For the sake of this analogy, though, you have to watch one. Oh, fuck. Um, I, I'd rather watch Green Lantern. Really? No. I'd, I'd rather watch Batman versus Superman any day. There wasn't that scene in Green Lantern where both he and Carol realize they had the same name of mother. That scene, no, but the more I but, think about that scene, the more that drives me crazy. But, but Batman there, versus Superman didn't have anything that Green Lantern had. <laughs> I, can't, I can't pick out one bad thing. From Batman versus Superman didn't have the scene where Hal takes off his little domino mask, and Blake Lively's surprised that it's Hal. But that's a comic book trope for since I, time immemorial. I, I know, but the, I know, but the way that it was executed was just so, you know, you can do that on the page of a comic book, but it's real tough to pull that off on a in a in a in a motion picture. I I think that uh, I don't know when we're gonna have time to do all the things we plan on doing, <laughs> but, but, but we we should do a, a rewatch of Green Lantern. Oh God. All right, well, we'll meet in New York for New York Comic Con, and then that's where we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, I'll trap you guys in my basement. <laughs> now, I want to uh, talk about some theories about this movie with you. <laughs> we're no, we're going to have a, a, a showing at the Theater in the Round. We're going to ask if, oh, we can, cool. uh, yeah, if we can bring a projector. And... <laughs> I'm game. James will hook us up. James will hook us up. Uh, um, so no, Brian, was... the, yeah. the, your, to your point about doesn't the high production value make it worse? No, because that you specifically asked us not most disappointing. And to me, a high production value book being bad factors in a disappointment level. You know that it's like aiming high and then ending up real low, which which I would constitute, I would say constitutes disappointment more than like you're asking us how purely bad the book is. And to me, what Zach says rings true and also i would say this book is bad sometimes in such a fascinating way whereas <laughs> that's that's fair whereas like, blue beetle is and pedestrian bad batman yeah. beyond are bad that i can't my eyes are drooping when i'm at page 10 and i realize i'm only halfway through the book and it's just drab and and i don't want to do it anymore this book i've never had a problem reading from front cover to back and then closing it and gleefully saying i didn't like any of that Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) yeah that's the thing i have never once considered wilkerson in this book never once 
And see, I think I'm almost there. <laughs> you're really you're you're not gonna you're not gonna join this pile of crazy every other week with us. Oh, okay, to be, let, let me let me rephrase. If this show wasn't a thing, yeah, then I would I, I hear you. Not be reading it. Um, I, I guess to me, I have to give King a little bit of credit for just swinging for the fences on this terrible fucking idea. Like he really is doubling down on some shitty, shitty bat theories here and some some really poor understanding of what makes Batman a good character. But man, is he going for it. <laughs> hmm. Um but yeah. I uh I also don't like the idea of Bruce Wayne coming to the conclusion that his parents really don't matter? No, I, I that yeah. whole thing <laughs> rang false to me. That that whole like I did it I did it for her. That's what it's always been about. Like bullshit. <laughs> right, yeah. Like again, eighty years of storytelling disagrees with you. Yeah, I mean it's it's not I'm I'm not buying any of the conclusions it's coming to, and that's its biggest sin. There are comic runs that can make me believe something about a character that is not an interpretation that I would normally agree with, but they sold it to me. Right. Tom King's not selling any of this to me. This is this feels like a cartoon Batman to me. Like a cartoonish Yeah. I don't buy any of it. I uh, I have a friend who I, I'm not gonna call out by name in case they happen to be listening, though I sincerely doubt oh, they, they are. What was it? I said, oh boy. Okay. Uh, Is it Frank Black? It, it's not Frank Black. And uh, they recently saw Logan and said that they it was the superhero movie they've enjoyed the most because they felt like every superhero movie should be rated R. <laughs> and like, I, That's I, a hot take. <laughs> yeah. And their argument was like, well, you know, when you see Logan punch somebody and they move and he hurts his hand, he he should say, oh, fuck, because that's what a real person would say. And, and, it, and, the, and he was like, it's, it's always distracted me when there's, when there's a clear moments of characters not reacting normally because they want to keep the movie, like, rated for, for families. And, like, you know, there, there's so many things to unpack from that statement. <laughs> So many things, but I will say this: I feel like this is a reaction to that type of thought process, where like it's not just good enough to be a little bit dark. This has to be the darkest. Inter- I mean, this this is a darker Bruce Wayne than the Dark Knight Returns, right? I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. That Bruce Wayne has like a <laughs> lifetime to build up to that. Yeah. I Yeah, yeah. You you I don't know. I still don't know if I agree with that, but I I see what you're saying because this Bruce Wayne for for 21 issues now has been just a dickhead almost 100% of the time. Yes. 
Um, you know, when the few times that we see him interact with the Robins, he's literally screaming at them at a burger restaurant. <laughs> um, that is so, the best scene of the whole book, right? Well, that's that was a very good sequence that I liked, but the the point still stands about Bruce. Oh, of course. Um, the the I mean, he and, didn't jokerize his fries. Who can who can trust the guy who doesn't jokerize their fries, right? Exactly. But then right over over in Detective Comics, he's sprinkling jokerized powder on everything. Yeah. <laughs> that that's a good Batman. That is a Batman that's like like tough, uh you know, grim, gritty, but also can be warm. He's shown the capacity to be warm. And that's where we're at with Batman now, you know? That's who Batman is now. Um I don't know. I <sighs> I'm I'm still hung up on that. Every comic movie should be rated R. Yeah, yeah, because when I'm watching a movie where like people have the ability to literally become nuclear weapons, <laughs> what I what really takes me out <laughs> is that they didn't say the they didn't say fuck when they got hit in the face or something. Well, like my my argument was like, all right, I could see that for certain characters maybe holding some water, but like one of the best parts about Superman is that you could drop a, a nuclear bomb on his head, and he'd be like, oh, phooey. Like, uh, he's not <laughs> yeah. going to say fuck. He's better than me. I, right. I, you know, that's 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 part of the idea. <laughs> oh, sweet release. Yeah. Well, you know, that's why people can't relate to Superman, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Uh, all right. I. Before we put that to bed, can I just say that, like, any time somebody says something, such and such a thing, quote, took me out of the movie, they can, they're they are lying. <laughs> or they're just, <laughs> that's, come on. I feel like the only thing that could take me out of the movie is if I somehow appeared myself in the movie and I didn't know I was in it. <laughs> like, if I'm watching a movie and, and I walk across the screen... That's going to take me out of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I get in this movie. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Aside from that, I don't think anything takes me out of a movie. Right. I mean, they're just, they don't know what else to say when they say that because what that, I, that's just, you, you, you should be, when you're at a superhero movie, you should be aware that you are watching a movie at all moments. <laughs> what I was going to say is I feel like this is just, this is proof that, the that it the first of all that it it's not for everybody and we have to stop pretending that it is but that also that the that the what we think of as superhero movies aren't really superhero movies cuz if they were they wouldn't be for everybody superhero movies aren't just for kids anymore <laughs> now that's boom pow too. bang <laughs> <laughs> oh. all right Let's let's move on. Let's let's speed this shit up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, seriously. All right. So, cyborg. We don't have much time left on Earth. <laughs> Cy- cyborg number eleven sees cyborg fighting a red cyborg. Like I sk- I skimmed this comic and I did not even get that out of it. So. It's like the first five pages are him punching a red version of himself. If you say so. It that is. does happen. I see it. He has chainsaw arm. <laughs> he, he does have a chainsaw arm. Yes. And then, and then he fights a pixelated monster thing. Yeah. So Zach he fights, just... he fights Japanese genitals. <laughs> yes, but they're pixelated as you know Japanese <laughs> censorship true. laws. Yeah, of yes. course. Um, um, 
So it's it's page it's page uh, seven that there is the omnipresent cyborg pose where like he looks kind of like he's doing the Heisman Trophy uh, like pose, but his arm is out and it's firing. I feel like every every cyborg issue has two of these. Oh yeah. yeah. I feel like sometimes he's like bracing his arm with his other with his hand. Yes. Sometimes that's like the variant. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. one is when he's really cutting loose. Yeah. yeah. And the other one is just when he's sort of cutting <laughs> loose, you know. Yeah. Um but yeah. Nothing appears to happen in this comic, which is not a surprise because nothing has happened in this comic for eleven issues. All right, we're going to get heated now, folks. It's Deathstroke time. <laughs> uh, Zach doesn't think this is a very good book this week. He I didn't did... say it wasn't very good. You said it was just... half good. That's not I very did... good. Well, I didn't like it as much as the other books that I really liked, so I had to like take it down a peg. It's all relative. Okay. Uh, this, as always, written by Christopher Priest, illustrated by Larry Hama and Carla Pagulian and Roberto Vicaya. Viacaya, Viacava, Viacava. My apologies. Um, I thought this issue had a lot of fun stuff in it. Okay, yeah, I changed my mind. I think I'm just a bit trying to be contrary. You don't, you don't have to change your mind. You don't have to. No, I, I'm flipping through it. I'm flipping through it, and I did enjoy it more than I remember. <laughs> it had a lot of cool things in it. Now, okay, you're right. I like this book. <laughs> It's good again. It's good again. It's good again. <laughs> uh, it has uh, has a lot more Power Girl, which I'm digging. I hope. Yeah. She, I hope she has a a role on the on a Teen Titans team soon. I really thought that he like. I, I thought that you know finally we understood why she was in this book. It's because Christopher Priest needed someone he could kill off, but uh, not the case. No, she's she's back and. Uh... And that that was really good. Um, so, I, I have a, a question for you guys that involves this entire run. Is Slade hiring a fake family for Rose the worst thing he's done? I don't know. It's... He's done a lot of bad shit. Yeah. I mean, he boned his son's fiance. So... Who's, a, who's, a, who's a double agent? Let's she is a double agent. Well, yes, yeah. And Rose knows that. Does he know that, though? Probably. He's gay. No, I don't think... I don't think... He... Wait, who are we... Are we talking about who Who knows? Jericho. Or... Does Jericho know? Jer- Does Jericho yeah. know? I don't think he knows. I don't think Jericho cares. That she's a double agent? No, that she's fucking Slade. <laughs> oh, wait. Which one? I don't even know what we're... So... <laughs> <laughs> That's that's fine. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Yeah, it's really bad. That uh, may be the. I don't know. I don't. Is that is that worse than making your daughter think she's met her family and then not like making? I don't know. What's worse? I don't know. Families are pretty bad, you guys. Yeah. Uh, but but this was a fun issue. I uh, I did have one question that it could just be something I missed. I'm just kind of trying to get to there in my copy right now. Um, Power Girl calls Slade something that isn't Slade. 
I think he gave her a fake name. Is that what it yeah. is? Okay, I couldn't, I couldn't remember. Remember when, well... Or yeah. when she found him, I mean. Yeah, because isn't wasn't there a part where, like, when they went to that dinner, she was calling him by another name, too? See, that that is the one downside of this book being so dense. Is yeah. it like little details like that? Yeah, she calls him Evan a couple times. Yeah, I think I think he gave her a fake name because like Doctor Vilhain was commenting on it mm-hmm. when uh-huh. they were, you know, doing experiments on him or whatever. When we found out he was blind. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because, um, because I don't think she knows that he's a villain or a bad guy. No, he's he's in fact he is the hero Twilight. <laughs> He is yeah. the hero Twilight. <laughs> In uh, fact, I, I really like what Christopher Priest is doing. Um, I I wouldn't say that she is necessarily softening him up because I don't think we've seen much evidence of that. But I do like how she has him under her thumb right now. You know, like, yeah. you, were, you weren't going to kill him, right? Uh, no, of course not. <laughs> you know, it's like the most neutered we've ever seen Slade. Yeah. It's great. It is. It's great. Um, have you guys heard about... So we talked last week about the potential of him leaving the book with issue 26. Yeah, and, I, thought they, I thought somebody said it's not happening. Well, uh, Uncle Rich said it's not happening. Oh, yeah. And he he's claimed... Right. He's always right. Yes, he is the all-knowing. He claims that Deathstroke is going to be starting his own superhero team. I can see that. Uh, I could definitely see that. That was called Titans. It happened during Brightest Day. <laughs> which we talked about earlier, off air. And, and that's uh, why we're the best that Deathstroke has ever been. Yes, of course. It began <laughs> with the murdering of Ryan Choi, if you, if you recall. Yep. Uh, Tattooed Man was on that team. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember who else. Um, Cheshire? Cheshire, yeah. Cheshire, however I'm pronouncing that today. How you say it, yeah. Um, um, I really don't remember anyone else. It wasn't great. It, it wasn't, wasn't great. But uh, I think it would be kind of fun for Priest to write that story, though. Yeah, I do, too. And I think it would be great if it was, like, this Power Girl and... Um, I don't know. Who else would be on the team? Perhaps his, perhaps his son, somehow. Or Maybe. Rose. Rose, yep. Um, maybe Batman, Batman, of course, obviously. All right. Hang on, guys. I'm going to I'm going to dream a little dream here. Okay. What if uh, coming out of the Lazarus contract, he gets a couple of Titans on his team? Yeah, interesting. Yes, there you go. I'm certain that that's happening. That's 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 the key right there. And I bet Christopher Priest is still writing that team book then. Everything that he's doing right now with Twilight and that crossover. What if, uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, Vince, but what if it's Deathstroke and the Outsiders? Oh. Oh, Oh. Oh, baby. Vince Horny, guys. The sure and certain threat of counterterrorism always gets you uh, hard. So. <laughs> I'm glad I spared the moisture. 
<laughs> uh, on that note, we're going to take a little break. Be back in just a minute. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at the Eisner-nominated MultiversityComics.com. Every week we take about 15 minutes to check out books hitting the shelves on Wednesday that we're most looking forward to. We also have long-form discussions about books we're excited for, both old and new. These episodes have included works like Jaime Hernandez's Love Bunglers and Katsuhiro Otomo's Epic Akira. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the people we've had on the show have been Tom Scioli, Paul Pope, Leila Del Duca, and John Workman. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow on iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comics-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we are back to talk about Green Arrow number 20, written by Benjamin Percy, illustrated by... I always forget who draws this book when it's not Otto Schmidt or Juan Ferreira. Eleonora Carlini. Yes, Carlini, and I like her work too. Yes, and Mirka Andolfo yes. uh, did some pages as well. Yeah. Um, and they're both great. They are. They are. This was uh, an interesting issue. Vince, I know, has one very particular comment to make about it. And I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to talk about it. But before we get to that... Um, so this, this kind of uh, sort of completes the retconning of Roy Harper that began in Titan's Hunt last year, or two years ago, rather. My goodness, it was two years ago already. And uh, also, you know, just we when the New 52 started, he was already uh, an outlaw. He was already gone from Green Arrow's, you know, uh, inner circle. And we never really saw them together. We never saw them interact. So this is the first time we were seeing any any real bit of that. And I feel like this did a nice job of giving us the broad strokes, working in some definite New 52 stuff that would make sense for this timeline, but not wasting too much time in retreading the past. What did you guys think about it? Specifically the way it handled sort of telling the Roy and Ollie story. Um, it was fine. Yeah, it. I mean, I called this book my half good book of the week, and I think it's because um, it was fine. I'm probably a little more positive than Zach, obviously, but um, <laughs> obviously, uh, <laughs> but it, I. Here's the thing. It had to, it has to tell a, it has to do a lot of work in a short amount of time to sell the idea that Ollie and Roy have some sort of history, right? Because yeah. we have not seen that in a while. And even if we bring all the baggage from pre Flashpoint with us, it's still difficult to make that leap because of how long we've they've spent apart and because all these other books are sort of doing the work to put the pieces back together. And this one feels particularly rushed. However, I think Ben Percy somehow, even though he's only had like a couple issues to do this, and it was very quick, I I kind of buy it. Like he he intercuts the current interactions between the two with moments from their past in such a way that like yeah, it's a lot happening in a short amount of time, but. But I buy it, you know? I buy it as a condensed version of their possible history together. 
Um, uh, it, it does feel a little rushed, which which is why you know it's not as strong. It's not like a. I didn't call this a good book this week, you know, but but I'm buying it, you know. I I think the pieces are fitting together in a satisfying enough way. Yeah, and I think that this does. Um... This this treats Roy as more than just the former junkie, and I think that it would have been very easy to just have him fall into that pattern. I also like that Ben Percy got in a few insults about his costume, because y'all know I hate this costume. Oh, it's bad. It's, it's, it is funny that Roy was given Ollie, you know, a hard time for wearing goggles when he's currently, currently wearing, wearing goggles. goggles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I thought I thought it was okay. I, I I think that what will help. I think actually having this out there now and having there to be some sort of uh, guidebook for how their interactions went in the past is the best thing for these characters going forward. Mm-hmm. I think it's been a piece of their backstory that's been missing, and nobody's really wanted to tackle it. And so because of that, there's been limited things that can be done with them together. So right. by 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 addressing it, it allows that to be. It allows us to move on from that. Yeah, I agree. And I like that it ended on a, on a reasonably hopeful note. There, there wasn't this tearful reconciliation, but Roy realizes that you know he owes Ollie and uh, and essentially offers his help. Yeah. <laughs> what do you what do you think about so like what do you think about the um the kind of like social aspects of this issue because that's like been a big part of this run and like it runs the gamut between like ham-fisted and like not so ham-fisted always relevant it's always relevant I'll give it that but I felt like this issue in particular, like, really kind of, like, hit you over the head with, like, how kind of, like, cartoonish the villain was. <laughs> yeah. Are you talking about Count Vertigo? No, I'm talking about uh, the wild dog guy. Yeah. Yeah. Slash Queen Consolidated being, like, the prototypical evil capitalist uh, organization. Yeah, I can't. There's just like one scene where he was talking to the queen guy, the whoever the the bad guy is who yeah. took over Queen, and uh, so, I don't know some of the dialogue. Which oh, is like yeah. I feel like Percy has a lot of good ideas, but the dialogue sometimes suffers. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That, that's how I feel about about that. I I don't know to answer your question, Zach. I think it's a little bit. It's so quote ripped from the headlines. Mm-hmm. That I think it can be hard to judge it accurately in the moment. Yeah. I do like the idea of putting Ollie back into a more socially conscious role. I do too. That was always a part of his character that I felt was uh, was defining, but people would often choose to not write him that way for whatever reason. All right, let's move on to Greenland. Well, wait, wait, wait. Oh, are we gonna are we gonna talk about the second oh, to last yes. page? We gotta talk about the thing Vince wants to talk about. So, so I'll be damned if at the bottom of the second to last page where Ollie is saying, 
hope to see you down the trail, kid. <laughs> that that is not drill from Twitter. <laughs> that, to me, that looks exactly like the surreal picture of Jack Nicholson <laughs> with like the odd smirk and the the glasses are like the dead giveaway. But yeah. then just like the swept back hair and. Like, that's drill. That is a drill homage, if I've ever seen one. And all that's missing is some, like, grossly misspelled dialogue. And I'm going to shoot exactly one arrow and then call that one one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, some comment about being diapered. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I, 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 I immediately hooted and hollered when I saw that. <laughs> yes, you did. You texted it to me almost instantly. <laughs> <laughs> Or you tweet? You might have just tweeted it. I'm not. I'm not sure now. I, can't I tweeted it. Yeah. yeah. I think I. I may have also texted you just to show <laughs> to say, "Hey, go look at the tweet." Yeah. Uh, all right. Thank. Thank you for reminding me. I did. I did want to talk about that. So uh, that brings us to Green Lanterns number twenty, written by Sam Humphreys, illustrated by Eduardo uh, Penis Penisca. Pensica. 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 My apologies. I am so bad with names lately. Um. So, is this a garbage comic? This was not as this was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Oh, for two reasons. The first is that the artwork is is fine. There are some nice moments in this. The second is that it's giving Jessica something to do other than fail at being a lantern. The rest of it is trash. I I think this is pretty hor this is this is approaching I'm reading the words and I'm not absorbing any of it when I read this book. Uh Blue Beetle Syndrome. Yeah, I mean I, I read the whole I read this whole issue. I didn't just skim it, and I'll be damned if I could tell you what happened in it. Uh Dr. Polaris wants to save his brother. Dr. Polaris was publicly shamed after he uh, did not cure cancer despite claiming he could. That part was a little bit unclear to me. Um, Jessica overcame her fear better than Simon did for the first time. That's about it. Okay. (laughs) If you say so. I'm trying to give you the, the Cliff's Notes version here. Dr. Polaris is a really bad character here. And I don't mean like he's a bad guy. I mean his characterization is not great. He's essentially the Green Goblin from Spider-Man 2. <laughs> oh, no, I'm no, sorry. I, I, I guess from, yeah. from Spider-Man proper. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, it could have been the Harry Osborn Green Goblin from Spider-Man 3. Um, then maybe that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. It's bad, though. Remember we used to debate which was the good Green Lantern comic? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. It's that time for Vince <laughs> tells us what happened to Harley Quinn this week. I thought you didn't do that anymore. Well, we, we, yeah. do, we do it because he pages through it still. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. And so, so I don't really know. that. So you guys realize that Harley Quinn is um, – has a backup now in it, right? Oh no! Yeah, yeah. I, I flipped through it as well just to see that. 
So it's got a it's got a backup called Harley Loves Joker, okay, and it's written by Paul Dini and Jimmy Palmiotti. Okay. And it's the art is by uh Brett Blevins. And the art is very much in that Bruce Tim style. Okay. So I like what I'm hearing so far. Yeah. So I I I opened this up, I flipped through the um the the first part of it, which is the standard Palmiati and Connor uh Harley book and I don't know. It's her tooling around with that red tool guy, uh, the Deadpool, the fake Deadpool yeah. character, um, Fred Pool. <laughs> yeah, hijinks. You know, whatever. I, I, it didn't. I, it does nothing for me. But this Harley loves Joker backup. Um, I'm a little conflicted on it because this is rebirth, not being able to let go of the past. You know, not being able to get beyond the Harley and the Joker relationship, which, you know, I'm not going to sit here and talk about how problematic it is, you know, but like you just want more Harley Rick flag. Oh, yeah. I am just I ship that to Kingdom Come and I just want more of that 24 seven 365. You you guys, I'm all about the uh, Harley stays on your mind. I'm yep. I'm all about the the the. Uh, him, him laying his flagpole down. I'm trying to find like a Brangelina, um, <laughs> nice, nice sex joke, but um, <laughs> I'm trying to. That's gonna be my like new, a, my new Twitter profile. My sex joke. Yeah, Har Har Harla Harla Rick Harla Flag Winrick Quag Quag. Not 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 gonna work here anymore. <laughs> Second office space joke of the night. <laughs> was it? What was the first? I said that every day is the worst day of your life oh, when you're reading Batman. True. Yes, that's right. No, but I but I do think I do think um, they've done well to get away from the whole Harley Joker thing, you know. And mm-hmm. so them them returning to it feels like they're pandering, you know. <laughs> However. <laughs> yeah, right? That's unheard of, right? However, for the time being, I couldn't help but be a little charmed by it because so basically like the Joker's depressed and Harley it's like it's it's New Year's Eve and Does so that Harley leave him gets, damaged? Uh, yeah, oh, he's he's uh he's twisted as hell. Um, he's so twisted that he sneezes on Harley's face at one point, and she's so twisted that she likes it. Ugh. <laughs> but anyway, um, he you know he takes her he takes her out for the night, and they're gonna go commit a crime or something. Um, and they hop in this the big like goofy Joker car that has his face. It's like the don't it's like the Popemobile only. It's got his face on the front, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And like just something about it for right now was charming enough, you know. I'm I'm sure I, I'm sure it'll well, wear out its welcome, but like, man, I really like Batman the animated series. So <laughs> like, you know, a little bit of this once in a while, uh, it's comfort food in some ways. Even Which if I Joker don't... is this though? Of the oh, three. it's it's. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> uh. 
needs I to know. We'll we'll let Rich explain to us exactly which one it is. Okay. There's only two left after all. Uncle Richard? Uncle Dick. Uncle Dicky? Which one is the comedian? <laughs> <laughs> it's this one. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, at the end he's gonna uh they're 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 actually going to assassinate John F. Kennedy right now in this. He's gonna say Vietnam. Yeah. All right. Anyway. That, that brings us to Justice League number 18, the 422nd part of the Timeless Arc. <laughs> oh, boy. Written this is by a... Brian Hitch, illustrated by Fernando Passarin. This is such a good-looking drag. <laughs> uh, okay, so this this isn't just me thinking this feels like it's going on forever, right? This is dragging out considerably. It feels as if it is timeless in that it's never ending. Now, question for you guys is this is a legitimate question that is from this issue. So we know that the one that Alexis here is Lex Luthor's daughter, right? Are the, all those kids supposed to be Luthor's kids? I don't know. Cause somebody, that, that, that dude spills more seed than a blind parakeet. So, <laughs> Because uh, the one guy says, uh, at one point, he says, I'm saying this thing, Tempest, the timeless mind, is sort of like me, like my dad. And it's never established who he's talking about. And so I feel like these are all going to be children of of, of like various supervillains. Mm-hmm. Or just the various, various DC characters characters like i feel like these are kids because they exist out of time that these are like uh to 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 borrow a term from uh from legends of tomorrow forgive me lord for doing so uh time aberrations like yeah they shouldn't exist in time basically countdown like the people who shouldn't exist these people shouldn't exist anymore and they're like hiding out in this space outside of time yeah Okay. Maybe. I'm trying to find something interesting to talk about with this book, guys. I know. It doesn't even have Brainiac 5 in it. It doesn't. What's Hitch doing? Uh, this this feels very Hitchy, though. This feels like a, a Wildstorm comic where they could use the DC characters. Yeah. But way less interesting. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I just don't have much to say about this. I, I, I feel so bored by this Justice League. Yeah. All right. Let's um let's keep on trucking then let's get to uh it's time for another good comic, guys. Nightwing number eighteen. Uh this is maybe the best comic. Uh-huh. It's pretty good, guys. This is the the you know this is the infer this is the inverse of Batman for me. I'm not sure whether it's true, but every time I read an issue of Nightwing, I think that it's better than the last one. This is uh this is Seely just blatantly pandering to Grant Morrison fans. <laughs> I'm lapping it up. He's just like, oh, you guys like Grant Morrison's Batman? Me too. Let's um <laughs> let's party. Let's. <laughs> 
and I love it. Yeah, this um, first of all, written by Tim Seeley, illustrated by Javi Fernandez and Mink Yu Young. Uh, really, really solid artwork on this issue. I just want to get that out there before I forget to say it because uh, I, I think sometimes we forget to talk about the art as much as we should, and I'm the guiltiest of that. So, uh, yeah, some really, really solid art here. But what I, what I think is that it's interesting because in some ways James Tynan is is referencing all the non-Morrison stuff from the time, from the same time period in detective mm-hmm. like Stefan Cass and Tim, you know, as red Robin. And this is referencing all the stuff that Morrison was doing at the same time. We're having like a very late aughts bat revival right now. That's just what I always wanted. Yeah. I mean, I agree that I, I think that was some of my favorite Batman stuff. I think it's really, really great. Damien is nailed. I mean, Damien's just perfect here. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I felt so sorry for that uh, That not Robin. Oh, yeah, that was brutal. The, oh, man, it's like such a good touch, like how he was like cycling back and forth between his real memories and his, his Robin his, memories, his you know? Memories, oh, yeah. That was... That, that 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 could have easily been a throwaway character, and Seeley made it so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Like I felt physically like moved by him trying to remember, you know, himself as Dinesh and his brother Tariq, and not like fading in and out of that. And, and then Deathwing snaps his neck. Oh my god! Yes, yeah, that was painful. Brutal. Just, oh, man. So well done. So well done. And, oh, man, just all of the Nightwing stuff, all I mean, like all the Dick and Damien stuff is just, this is some of the best. Can I say this is probably the best Dick and Damien stuff we've gotten since Morrison? Like, I think this mm-hmm. is even better than, like, the Tomasi stuff. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I just, I, yeah, I adore this. Consistently surprising and great. And, like, we shouldn't have been surprised that Dr. Hurt was going to show up because yeah. of all the other Morrison nods we've seen. But when he was, and this was spoiled by Next Issue's cover. But just like, you know, it shouldn't have been surprised, but it was still handled in a way that it seemed, it, it didn't seem so obvious. It was it was good. Everything about this was good. Yeah. Yes, thank you, Tim Seeley. You'll never let us down. We said that about Tom King once, though. <laughs> we did. Uh, <laughs> and we never got over it. We never did. That brings us to Shade the Changing Girl. Number seven, written by Cecil Castellucci, illustrated by guest artist Marguerite Sauvage. Oh. This was a fun issue. Th- this was this was another like gut punch, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like 
what a sprawling this first of all this is doing like a i don't know how long marguerite savage is tapped to be on this or if it's just this one sort of issue in between arcs or whatever that's kind of the impression i got but yeah that is who knows yeah exactly yeah um wait but you you never had to knock on wood god damn it can we quit doing that tonight? I mean, Zax was good, but let's, you know, <laughs> put a can on it. No, I like that one. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to say it's a turn of phrase that's so like obscure that you know, it doesn't even fit just so that I can get a 90s lyric out of it. Okay, go for it. <laughs> I'll throw it in later. Yeah. Um Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, this is how you do that type of issue, though. It kind of goes back and it fills in some of the blanks for us um, about sort of, uh, you know, life before uh, (laughs) Loma, right? Loma? Mm -hmm. Loma. Uh, Yeah, took over Megan's body, you know, and sort of like life, what life back on... Um, meta. Was, meta. Thank you. God, I can't. I can't keep any of these like names and shit straight. But like, I love this book so much somehow. But like, what life was like back there, and and it does a really effective job of of going backwards and forwards at the same time. And Rack Shade shows up. Um, her friends got some personality. Yep, her friends got some yeah. personality. Yeah, this was a fun issue until the end when it got like really grim. When it oh. got carried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sad. I was like devastated. Yeah, I felt really bad because like, you know, her friend was like a part of it. I did. I I really didn't get the motivation there. That was like really jarring. Actually, I thought. I don't know if you guys had thoughts on that. Well, what kind of what I thought it was was um I mean, if you look at if you look at their faces, they're not they seem like they're just kind of going through the the motions, like they don't really want to do it. You know, I think Marguerite Sauvage did a good job of like like when her friend says we just have to dance to this song. She's got like a semi-annoyed look on her face as if like yeah, you can tell that she regrets this. Yeah. yeah, like she clearly doesn't want to do it, but I also like don't really understand like why she takes part in it because she knows. I'm guessing it's peer pressure, you know. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, I'm guessing it's just pure peer pressure, which is a it's a common thing. It's a thing it's that a happens. Thing. You're yeah. right. Yeah, it is. It and you is. also you also see like through the course of this day that this issue takes place in that maybe her understanding of shade got deeper. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Hmm. So, like, I'm sure in future issues they'll deal with the sort of the fallout from this and maybe we'll know a little bit more about the motivations. But I think what we – I think we've got it pretty much uncovered, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just felt like it was one of those peer pressure things where, you know, everyone was going to do it and that includes us. And and it's just, you know, they probably thought, well, it'll just blow over, you know, and <laughs> who knows. <laughs> Uh, what do you guys think of the Dan Parent illustrated backup? Oh, that yeah, that was playing on that um, Life with Honey. We've had we've had one of those before. Mm-hmm. 
uh, earlier in the yeah. series. And that it's kind of fun. It's just like 1950s satire that, um, you know, like Mad Men era, <laughs> uh, woman's role type things. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think it's funny when they do these. I have no problem with it. Yeah, I still like this book a lot. I think it's my second favorite still of the Young Animal books. I would agree. Yep. I, I think I still prefer Cave Carson slightly to it, but yeah. But you know, different strokes, etc. That the bug, the bug uh, pinup in the back. Uh huh. That was that like sucked me right back to uh, uh, Madman. Mm-hmm. Mike Allred, Madman. Like he used to do those, and th- like this almost looks like his earlier work. His work, like it's always kind of looked the same, but like his design sensibilities have changed over the years. But this completely in black and white, just packed to the gills, reminded me so much of like the earliest Madman stuff, like even the pre-Dark Horse stuff. Yeah. Oh, it hit me in that sweet spot. Uh, that brings us to Superman number 20, written by Patrick Leeson and Pete Tomasi, illustrated by Patrick Leeson. Um, this was a great, great comic, guys. Yeah. One of the, this one was of the very good ones. A couple of I'm, weird moments, but that's okay. I I don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> like the blue and red birds flying next to Superman? That was beautiful. I loved that. <laughs> I thought that was so, like... Uh, so um, positive or something, you know, like yeah, it was just such a such a wink, you know. If Superman wasn't winking at us on the page, that was the comic winking at us. Yeah, I liked it. I also like how the two, how Lois and Clark don't quite know, like what the status quo is, and neither do we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the 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 close up on the mailbox says it all, Mister and Missus Kent. You know, right, right. It's uh, they're not the they're not the Smiths anymore. The Thompsons anymore. The, yeah, the Thompsons. <laughs> Your name is Homer Thompson. Got it. <laughs> Hello, Mister Thompson. <laughs> When I say hello, Mr. Thompson, and press down on your foot, you smile and nod. Hello, Mr. Thompson. I think he's talking to you. Pack uh, Leeson, huh? Pack Leeson, man. He can. Uh, he can do some Superman. He can. This uh, this is kind of, it's kind of a weird arc to follow up on Reborn with. I feel like, but maybe maybe not. I don't know. I I do love that like it references Super Sons. Yes, I think that that's really cool. Uh, let's talk about the end of this book, though. Did anybody see the dairy farmer neighbor grandpa of of his friend being a villain? No. I mean, and I guess that I guess that's what we're supposed to take 
that it is definitely evil grandpa? I think so. I wondered if maybe there was going to be some some misdirection. Vince, what do you think? Uh, I, I guess I don't know. I mean... In your heart of hearts, is it Evil Grandpa? I don't think so. Like, I, like it came off. It came off to me like he's more like an unwitting, you know, like an unwitting uh, participant in this. But maybe not. I just like don't even know, like what this. This run is, like, all over the place in such a good way, but I just, like, don't even know, you know, like, what this entails. I mean, I guess we never are shown him, so maybe it's not Grandpa, but it seemed, you know, it's up, we're obviously supposed to believe it's Grandpa. My question is, if if this milk truly is, you know, this conversation, <laughs> yeah, like like if there's something, I, I can't tell if there's something in the milk that is that is just hampering John's powers, or if it if if it and that thing when Bruce puts that because because Bruce you know injects something into this milk bottle before he begins to milk her that if it's like the reaction that causes this this bad reaction on his hand or if like all the milk that people are drinking has this parasite in it or whatever. I don't know. I'm I'm getting real into the weeds here, but but I really did enjoy the issue quite a bit. Yeah, yeah I just thought it was fun. It goes for sure. What was it, Vince? I said I just thought it was fun. You know? Uh, All right, whatever. <laughs> no, I was going to say, uh, uh, next issue crosses over with the NBC hit show Powerless. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's, just, it's just called Powerless. Oh, okay. I was like, really? No. Has anybody watched that? I watched the first three of them, maybe. Yeah. It's fine. As these things tend to be. It's not great. It's not offensively bad. Has Ron Funches. I like Ron Funches. Don't like Danny Pudi so much, but that's okay. The opening credits are really cool. How many are there? Like, I, I don't know anything about that show. Uh, the opening credits are all classic DC uh, covers, but it zooms in to focus on somebody in the background. It zooms, eh? Mm. Yeah. So, like, it shows the cover of Action Comics number one, and, like, one of the people hiding behind the car turns into, like, it looks like uh, one of the characters, you know? So, like, it just, it, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun opening. Uh, and that brings us to our final book of the week, which we're going to probably fly through here. The Fallen Rise of Captain Adam number four. Um, is there anything... Worth discussing here that's new from last time? I'll be honest, I Wilkerson to this Of course hard. you did. <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, what? what is this book even, like, 
What's its purpose? It appears to be trying to introduce baby Captain Adam. Yeah, kind no. of. <laughs> uh, it was an interesting choice to have former New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson as the host of a talk show in this issue. <laughs> Look just like Bill Richardson, guys. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know what the point of this is either. I'm not opposed to bringing Captain Adam back into the DC Universe proper. I'm not opposed to making him less Dr. Manhattan-like. I just don't know exactly what their long game is here. Yeah, I don't know either. I I really thought that it would be that, you know. And I'm I'm not kind of, I guess I'm not disappointed that it's not, you know, because we didn't really need that, but I don't know. This feels a lot like this still feels a lot like Captain Adam circa New 52 stuff, you know? That Even one though it's like trying a blue to tint. This one is like a purple tint. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Malibu man. Stacy has a new hat, guys. <laughs> I'm just referencing all my favorite Simpsons episodes tonight. Can it outrun the Flash? All right, that does it for this installment of the DC Three Cast. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it as always. You can follow the three of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. I'm at VJ underscore O S T R O W S K I. And I'm at Sir Fox eighty nine. And we'll be back next week, hopefully with us and better comics to talk about. And until then, enjoy.